When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, here we go. Welcome in to another episode. Thursday, I believe. I'm getting the sense of my days back. Thursday afternoon, DNVR Avalanche podcast. Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm Jesse Montano, joined by AJ Hayfley and Megan... Uh, I almost said Megan Rudo. Megan Angley. <laughs> no Would have been weird. <laughs> Would have been weird. Um, day off for Rudo. Bunch of days off for the abs that we're right in the middle of as their season came to an end. We've talked a lot about that. Uh, like four months of days off? Four months of days off, give or take. Um, but there's plenty of hockey still going on, so we're going to talk about that. <clears throat> talk about maybe uh, how we've seen some of these individual performers so far through the first uh, two-ish rounds. Uh, does, my, does my mic sound weird? No. Oh, okay. Good. Um, and then we're going to get into a little bit of off-season de- decisions for the abs uh, and maybe the biggest linchpin in all of that and uh, how that may affect the way that they're allowed to do things or they're able to do things, not allowed to do things. Um, <laughs> but let's just kind of get started. I guess I'll start uh, by asking, did you guys watch any games last night? I watched the Eagles game. So, you watch the Eagles game, but I uh, I, I, with, I with drama. It what with the drama? Sorry. Yeah, I caught Vegas Edmonton. <clears throat> uh, Vegas Edmonton. So you you punted on Carolina, New Jersey. It started. Uh. Uh, I was at the office yesterday. It started before I even got home. And so I was like, when I got home, it was already 2 nothing. So I just said, F that. It's something else. <laughs> well, so I, I do want to start with the games from last night because game ones are always a little weird. Vitek Vanacek gets put back in net in favor of uh, Akeem, Akeem Schmid. Did game one change anybody's opinion of the way they think this Devils Hurricane series is going to go? Or weird game one, New Jersey just didn't really have it. I mean, from, from what not, you've seen. Yeah, I mean, not having watched it, I mean, it's tough to say, yeah. but I will, I will say that uh, in retrospect, picking offense to beat defense in the playoffs was a weird call for me, knowing that defensive teams usually put the clamps down in those matchups defense more consistently beats an offensive club. So weird call by me, uh, but <laughs> uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. That's, that's going to be a really fascinating series, I think. But uh, my, my sudden confidence in New Jersey, I think certainly will waver a little bit, uh, getting rocked in game one like that. But I also know that game one is a. Right. 
it, it was a little bit of a sobering game, though, I think, if you're a Devils fan or player or coach. So I think you're feeling really good. And again, I know you guys didn't see it, but like that was a pretty like handily the Hurricanes like pretty handily drubbed the Devils there. Like that really was not an ultra competitive game. Megan, you and I have talked a lot just in these last few days about goaltending, what you do. Doesn't go well for Schmid last night. Do you go back to him for game two? Or do you give Vanacek some runway knowing that he was originally your number one? Um, I don't, I don't know. I feel like they rode with the hot hand in their first series with Schmidt and it was, there were, there were games of a similar value. I feel like game one is weird that I'm not attributing it to solely just goaltending. I did not expect the Hurricanes to pack that offensive punch, to be honest. I don't know if it's sustainable um, to, to have quite that much up top. So I would go with Schmidt again um, because they did in the first round. There were some tougher games. Game one is weird. And I would be curious to see how the rest of the Devils team responds in front of him too as being a part of that and not just falling squarely on his shoulders the the game one part like element to all of this like it is something to consider we've all all three separately acknowledged now like game one's just weird stuff happens um you both mentioned the 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 scoring at the top of carolina's lineup uh you get goals from brett pesci seth jarvis uh uh, Brady Shea and Jesper Foss. Three of those guys each score their first goal of the playoffs. Not exactly like the, the, I, I'm not expecting at least three of the five of those guys to be very heavy contributors the rest of the way. No, it's like it's like one of those games where you're like, oh, I really really want our depth scoring to show up, show up, and it does all the scoring in one game. And you look back on the end of it, and you're like, oh. Our depth guys did a good job of scoring, and then you remember, oh, but it all came in one game. It all happened once, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, you need, you're going to need a goal here and there from a guy like a Brett Pesci or Brady Shea. Yeah. Especially Brady Shea, who was such a big breakout guy for them this year. They're going to need that. They need that offense. They need, the, the with the injuries that they've had up front, they need their defensive core to to chip in a little bit on the offensive side, and you know, Brady Shea, Brent Burns are guys that you can say they you expect them to do that. Getting a goal out of Brad Pesci is, is that's clean living. <laughs> uh, and he opened the scoring too. Uh, let's move out west for last night. Again, just talk about a crazy game. This one to me a little bit had shades of uh, Western Conference final last year. Six to four, Vegas knocks off the Edmonton Oilers last night. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl, the only person scoring for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, a couple of those coming on the power play. But again, you look at what Vegas did. Very balanced. A lot of different goal scorers. Uh, guys that you would like to see get involved got involved. You also get some depth. Uh, you know, Eichel, Stevenson, Stone all get in on the action. But then you're also getting contributions from uh, Ivan Barbashev and Amadio. But really, this game, as I was watching it, I was kind of laughing because we did our 
series previews. And we all said this is going to be a weird series because as a lot of series do, it comes down to goaltending, but not like in the traditional who's going to outduel who, but can basically like whose goaltending can get stretched the thinnest without caving. And it's off to a horrible start, six to four. Uh, AJ, you did watch this one, I guess. What were just kind of your thoughts uh, as this game was going? Yeah, going I mean, on? we talked about in the previews just kind of the style contrast and, you know, just just what it's going to be like with, you know, Vegas wants to block a lot of shots. They want to keep things on the outside. Um, you might consider trying to take away Leon Dreisaitl in future games. <laughs> uh, you know, you might you might consider making a little more of a concerted effort. I, I understand there's a... There's Connor McDavid on the other side of the ice, so it's like, hey, if you do too much of one thing, the other guy's gonna do it to you. <laughs> um, but I also, I also think it's really crazy that on back-to-back nights we saw four goal performances, Dude, and right. those teams lost. Like everybody, everybody just has spent the last week dumping on the Abs for being a one-line team, and then you watched. <laughs> Two teams open up the second round with four goal performances and lose both games. Yeah, both 0 for 2. Yeah, and I'm just like, that is impressive and very weird. Um, <laughs> but no, I do I do think that just that that, that is going to be a, a, a very push and pull kind of series. Um, special, special teams are going to play a really, really big role in it. You cannot put that team on a power play. That that it's power crazy, play dude. looks even better than it did in the regular season. It's so good, man. I'm just like, okay. Sure. Is it? There has to be some concern, though. Like, if you're Edmonton with the power play, like, there has to be a little bit concern of, like, okay, how long can we do this at 85%? Like, their cash, I mean, it's almost an automatic goal. And, and, and they're they're just as much if you're Jay Woodcroft as you love that right now, you have to be just a teeny bit scared. Like, oh god, if if we aren't scoring at eighty five percent, are we even in this second round? And how long can we go if we don't keep scoring eight out of every ten power plays? Uh, yeah, Megan, look. Leon Dreisaitl, four goals. He's now up to, I believe, 12 in these playoffs or 11 at most, or at least um, 11. Again, I made comment coming into this series that, hey, Edmonton's depth showed up in the back half of that series with Edmonton. Uh, I think the Oilers learned last night this is a much better offensive team in Vegas than what they saw in L.A. you got to get anybody else going with consistency behind besides Leon Dreisaitl yes oh 100 percent I was going to draw parallels to both the game where Pavelski scores four, four goals for Dallas and this game where Dreisaitl scores four goals for Edmonton the difference on the team opposite them that wins is the variance in goal scoring coming from yeah, different places yeah. and this was something we anticipated might pose a little bit of a problem for Edmonton who has a pretty solidified top six Vegas has depth, and I'm impressed by the depth scoring showing up in such a big way in this game. I don't know if that is going to shine through in quite the same way, but they're line by line going to be a problem 5v5, whereas two of 
Dreisaitl score goals come on the power play. That is absolutely something that they're going to be need to, to look at their forward group and absolutely want more of. And to be fair, I think there's more to give. I don't think this is what Edmonton has to offer in terms of goal scoring at all. I, I do think that we're going to see that level out and there are going to be more contributors. Zach Hyman, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Connor McDavid. That is absolutely going to break through. So in a lot of ways, these games are these weird litmus tests where the other team learns about the other. Because in Dallas's case, I think Dallas learned what Seattle is in the same way that it was a bit of shock to the system for the Avalanche when they saw just how well-prepared Seattle was. I don't know if Dallas was prepared for Seattle to also pose kind of a similar problem for the full 60-plus because it ended up being forced into overtime. But thanks to Joe Pavelski pretty single-handedly, because what Seattle had is goal scoring that comes from a few different places. I think, you know, this is something that I think is going to break through for Dallas. I don't think they're going to have just Joe Pavelski scoring goals and for Edmonton as well. He's got 12 points in seven games. So by no means is he not producing. Does it feel to either of you guys like we haven't seen like dominant Connor McDavid yet through whatever we're at now, seven games for them? Get 150 points and 60 goals in the regular season. Oh, in the playoffs. In the playoffs. I'm, so, I'm saying, no, I'm saying, I'm saying, like, he had an insane regular season. So he oh, walked oh. in with insane expectations. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're kind of sitting here like, <laughs> where's the Super Saiyan mode? Yeah. Like, yeah. Leon Dreisaitl will hit it. <laughs> like, yeah. That guy, that guy is awesome. And again, he, he's got, he's got 12 points. But in the same way that you had to include the asterisk in the regular season, he is still more than half of his production in the playoffs. This is Connor McDavid has come on the power play. They are living so clean on the man advantage. They, they cannot miss right now. I, I just, you have to be a little bit nervous about that. You have to I, be. I think um, McDavid, even in the LA series, previously um his production sort of especially his individual goal scoring not necessarily his playmaking came about later in the end of that series so there was some Mm -hmm. maybe concern as to where he was and I think it has to do with the playoff strategy generally being to shut down McDavid specifically more than we're accustomed to seeing in the regular season which I think is already a default setting for teams but I think it's especially present in the playoffs that he is someone that they're specifically trying to suppress. But even still, it, it has been a little bit shocking, like AJ alludes to, compared to his regular season production. It's still very good. I don't I think we're all acknowledging that still what Connor McDavid is providing for his team is still very elite. Yeah. For sure. It's just it, it is also like when you look at a six four box score and the guy has two assists, you're kinda like, That's your game, man. Right, right. You need a five point night, my man. Like you you got Vegas to open it up and skate up and down and run a gun with you. You should be having like a crazy pants night in that situation. In a low scoring game, in a three two game you have two assists, you've had a wonderful game. Yeah. But in a six four game for you to have two assists, it's kinda like it's not a bad night, obviously, but you are like like Leon Dreisaitl scored four goals. <laughs> like, I guess I guess it is it is interesting when you raise the bar so high 
that you do get into the postseason and you're like, do everything. Well, and he doesn't, and they lose. I, I was gonna say so, but but here's the issue though: is is this has always been the like it, it's it's the problem with Edmonton. We all agree they're bet they're a more well-rounded group this year than they've probably ever been in this era. For sure. But the one thing that's multiple things can be true. The other part of it that's true is they aren't as well-rounded of a team as say the abs were last year or the lightning were in the years before, or the penguins were like, they still need a lot to be driven by those top guys. Mm -hmm. And AJ, you're the one who called it out in our series preview of if the, if the Golden Knights want to open it up and run and gun, they're going to be in trouble. They opened it up last night. They said, let's get up and down the rink, and they beat Edmonton at that game. You have to be having a little bit of the feeling, if you're Jay Woodcroft, of like, oh, shit, is this going to be Western Conference final deja vu where we get up against a team that can score with us and we can't lock it down defensively like they can. That was what last night looked a little bit like to me. It's game one. You got a long way to go. Connor McDavid would come out in the next game and score five goals. And I'd be like, well, and we immediately look like idiots. It's, it's concerning. If, if I'm an Oilers fan, it's concerning me that he didn't rev it up and take over in that first round. And as of last night, he looked pretty average while Leon Dreisaitl tried to drag you across the finish line. Um, I'm excited to see the rest of that series play out, honestly. Um, yeah, and I think that the Vegas depth thing is interesting because if you do look at the guys that scored all their goals, right, they they have six goals, and I think they had five goal scores. And all of those guys have multiple goals in the postseason. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't like some big, you know, like it, it wasn't like Carolina getting a bunch of guys who got their first of the postseason <laughs> in the same game. You're talking about they have they have five different goals. I, I think it was five different goal scores. Um, yeah, yeah, they did. And, uh, cause Barbashev, I know had two, yep. um, but they had, so that you've got five different goal scores, but you're, you're talking about all of them have multiple goals already in this postseason. And let's be real. That first round series, Vegas and Winnipeg was not particularly long. So, uh, you are talking about like a depth group that is contributing. It is everyone pulling on the rope in the same direction. And I do think that that is going to be more problematic. That is going to be one of the problems for Edmonton in this series yeah. is that, you know, a Michael Amadio is lurking in the middle of that that lineup. You know, uh, uh, an Ivan Barbashev can just change a game yeah, like that. And who's that guy uh, for Edmonton? In, in round one, it was Clem Costin. But in this round, they're going to need they're going to need some kind of. You need, you need RNA. Answer. He's, the, he's the one guy that I didn't talk about it much in our series previews, but like four assists for that guy, half of them coming on the power play. Like that's a hundred point guy in the regular season. You need something more than that from, from a guy like RNH. Uh, if you're the Oilers. Um, <clears throat> all right, real quick, before we do this first break, I want to talk about, Seattle, Dallas. Actually, you know what? I'm going to move things around a little bit here. Do you guys have a con Smythe pick for any of the teams that we just talked about? Vegas, Edmonton, uh, and then really that other series. I don't have one yet. 
New Jersey, Carolina, but do you guys have anybody that's starting to stick out for you in terms of if this team kind of keeps going, um, who you're maybe looking at? I think dry is the easy answer in yeah. Edmonton. Yeah. Um, I would probably lean towards stone Yeah, for right. Vegas. Yeah, you're the same as me. I was thinking Chandler Stevenson for Vegas. That's a good answer. He's my second for Vegas too. So it's a great answer. I'm glad he gets love here. Uh, I think, for the record, I would just like to go on on record and saying I think Chandler Stevenson is like their second most important player. Like I, I behind, behind Mark Stone because he is Chan, Chandler Stevenson. When he plays well, Vegas is awesome, and when he doesn't, they suck. <laughs> Uh, he's got five goals through seven games, uh, leading the way for them there. Uh, Megan, I think that's a great, I think that's a great call out, honestly. Um, and, and really it's, it's, it's a guy like that, that I think could end up making a big difference, uh, for, for Vegas in a series like this, where it's not, they like don't have the firepower to go head to head with Edmonton. It's just when you're trying to keep up with McDavid and dry you need, uh, other guys to chip in. So, uh, you know, a guy like Stevenson, Stone, Eichel, um, all going to be, all going to be important. Uh, Pins and Aces are uh, actually, I should have put on, I, I'm super excited that now that it's getting warm and be able to bust out my Pins and Aces uh, gear, but they are the official gar- golf apparel partner of All City and DNVR. Uh, we love our Pins and Aces gear. We all were able to get some. Uh, I'm excited. It's I got a, a nice button up, and my complaint my entire life with button ups has been the fabric is terrible. It doesn't stretch. It doesn't breathe. It doesn't move. <laughs> AJ's got the pins and aces hat uh, going. I like the orange, honestly. Oh, that's beautiful. Big fan of the orange. Um, they're family owned and operated uh, golf and apparel business based right here in Colorado. They make amazing polos, like AJ's showing off the hats golf bags uh they even have our favorite beer sleeve it's an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and keep them cold the entire round uh go to pinsandaces.com use the promo code dnvr you're gonna get 15 percent off your first order and free shipping that's pinsandaces.com uh really i'm actually gonna wear my stuff tomorrow because i really do like it and it's super comfortable uh, Hannah loves it and the wife's loving what you're wearing. You're in good shape. Uh, Bacchus and Shanker. I'm actually, I've been looking forward to getting to do this read pinch hitting on this read, uh, since we got them, because I haven't seen the Bacchus, uh, Bacchus and Shanker apps since I was like two and you can call two, 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 two to set up a consultation. Uh, if you get hurt, if you've been injured in a car accident, if you need, work cases uh you know what's the word what's how why is it escaping me right now workers comp geez uh back is shanker wins for colorado families they help those who are seriously injured in colorado for more than 25 years uh and until they win your case you don't pay them a thing uh no upfront fee speak about your case get your consultation and they don't charge you while they work on your case they don't get paid unless you get paid uh, they've won over a billion dollars for clients in their last 25 years. Uh, and now they have even more locations all over Colorado, Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, Fort Collins, back is in Shanker has the strength and power to win your case more than 30 
lawyers and over 100 staff. Uh, again, call them at 222-2222 to find out if you have a case. Car accidents, motorcycle, rideshare, pedestrians, trucks, all of it, they have got you covered. Injured at work, doesn't matter. Bags and Shaker wins. They've been doing it for over 25 years right here in Denver. DNVR Avalanche podcast. Jesse, Megan, AJ talking round two uh, of the playoffs. Andrew Cogliano could call back as some Shanker. It wouldn't be the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. Um, let's swing to... How funny would that be if Jordan Everlay had to <laughs> like pay for pay for his... His you know, trouble. his rehab or whatever, and yeah. it's like Bacchus and Shanker doles out more punishment to Jordan Everlay than the NHL did <laughs> breaking Andrew Cogliano's neck. <laughs> oh, it's not funny. Uh, let's get to the games that are uh, having game two tonight, but I want to talk a little bit about game one. Uh, I thought for round two, game one, these were easily the better games uh, of the slate. Both of them super exciting. Uh, we had an overtime. Let's start there. Seattle Kraken, who eliminated the Avs, knock off the Dallas Stars 5-4 to four in overtime. We talked about it, Megan. You were mentioning it uh, in the first segment. Joe Pavelski, four goals. Uh, haul in the mail for the Stars all night. Two just I – was, I was actually even getting, like, annoyed on Seattle fans' behalf because we've seen that Joe Pavelski movie here in Colorado – a nauseating amount of times where it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a prolific redirector of the puck, but what the fuck is this? Dude, for real, man. <laughs> like you're like skating down the slot and like the, some of the angles that some of that stuff went in, you're like, give me a break he, with he's this. Not dude. Just changing it up and down. He's like intentionally deflecting it left and up. Like it's just, it's bananas. Uh, but not enough to get done. It was a great story in his return, coming back from the concussion, all of that good stuff. Uh, but look, really the story of this continued to be for uh, the Seattle Kraken, the depth, the consistency, and the work. They found a way to scratch it out in another game one. They don't score first. Uh, what did you guys see? Megan, I'll start with you. What did you see out of Seattle in uh, night one against Dallas? You know it's like Dallas came prepared with the tools that Colorado would have hoped to have. Um, they had a better start at the drop of the puck, that kind of thing. And so I could see healthy players available, healthy players. (laughs) I could see there was an adjustment period, um, happening for Seattle being on opposite of that, but they settled into their game pretty quickly. Seattle that is, um, And I just got the feeling that Dallas underestimated what Seattle was. They were creating in Dallas's end and challenging Ottinger in a way that I don't think Ottinger was even prepared for, though he played a terrific game. I just don't think they were expecting Seattle because all we hear about is death. I don't think they were expecting them to be as threatening in the offensive zone as they were. Um, And so what what it came down to was what we saw Seattle do well before they were relentless on the forecheck and made it difficult for Dallas to operate from within the hash marks, though that was something Pavelski did. A lot of his shots were generated from the slot. It was funny. The broadcasters were saying he must be a great golfer, which seems (laughs) ominous, but also a baseball player because of the ways in which some of these were being redirected in, in an unusual way. 
I didn't think Grubauer played badly, but I think he was also as a result of this tested more because Dallas, I think, did a better job than the Avalanche comparatively in just uh, being a little bit more dangerous inside home plate. This was something the Avalanche strove to do, but it was difficult for them. I think Dallas, like both teams played a highly physical game that I think they're both going to go home and reflect that this is going to be a daunting series. It's not going to be easy. I think Dallas especially learned a lot about what the Seattle Kraken are. And Seattle, it was the same game plan as before in that they're just, they're really well prepared. They know their identity. If they continue to execute as consistently as they have, this is going to be a daunting series for Dallas. AJ, on, on paper, Dallas seems a little bit just like a better version of what Seattle is. Higher end talent, better goaltending. I honestly agree with a lot of what Megan said there. The one part I, I, I disagree with you, and you said Ottinger was terrific. I thought he was maybe the one that looked the least prepared for the way that Seattle came at them early in that game. There's a couple of those goals he gave up that I didn't like. Uh, AJ, what did you kind of see in this one? I didn't watch this game. I won't you watch know. this series. <laughs> <laughs> You're refusing? I'm a salty bitch. That's all it is. <laughs> Um, fair. I'm not, I, I'm not even going to blame you on that one too hard. <clears throat> um, it, it is though. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch play out because I, I really do. I think Dallas is a higher end version of what Seattle likes to do. Uh, but Megan, you were alluding to, I mentioned it a minute ago and I talked about it in our series previews. If I'm Dallas, the only thing that worries me is the consistency at which we've seen Seattle bring it and Dallas has a bad track record of having lulls here and there. And again, to me, I just looked at that, but just consistently throughout the game, Seattle brought their best effort. Uh, Yanni Gord continues. The luck kind of just continues to roll in with a spinning 360 short side back bar OT winner. It's like, maybe they're just the team of destiny when you see that one go in. It is funny. I, I do think every year we do have this conversation about the team of destiny because uh-huh. you're always like, you're looking at it and you're like, God, this team gets a lot of breaks. And you're like, I know hockey well enough to know this shit won't continue, but also they could be the team of destiny. <laughs> right, right, right. It could totally continue for the next month and a half. That, there's nothing that now, says it won't. Here's, here's the funny part. And I remember someone talking about it. One of the national guys, Talking about it the year with Montreal, the bubble, or no, it wasn't the bubble year. It was the year after the bubble year. Montreal, Tampa in the final. Yeah. And they were saying how those types of teams, there always is one. There's always one. And it's a crazy run, and they get all the bounces. And like you said, we, we write it off, but then we say, well, maybe they're the team of destiny, and they're just going to keep going. And it's always funny because – when the carriage turns back to a pumpkin at midnight, the wheels come off quickly. And, yeah. and it's usually the later you get. So honestly, after seeing the way things played out in game one, I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle won this series and then gets maybe a little bit further down the road, luck runs out and they get swept or something like that. But um, yeah, look, look at the Rangers last year where they lived the charmed of charmed lives, right? They're up 2-0 in the Eastern Conference Final, and everybody's like, oh, the Tampa Dynasty is over. You know, like, they're, like, and, and they run out of energy. Yeah. And by the end of that series, Tampa looked so dominant 
and the Rangers looked like they they were just totally spent. Yeah, just totally spent. Where it's just like, yeah, eh, when it when it stops, when that gravy train stops rolling on in, it's tough living out there. <laughs> and you know, you you do wonder. And it's still early enough in the postseason. You have no idea what's going to happen with this Kraken team. Um, so you know, maybe it continues, but. <laughs> But for, I, I, so I think it's, I think it will continue. The question at this point is just for how long, how much can they accomplish before we get to midnight? And yeah, that dress turns back into a bunch of rags sold together by mice. You know what I mean? Like, uh, we'll see. Um, Calling out the mice's handiwork. Hey, they do great when they've got the fairy godmother's magic. You know what I mean? But yeah, when they're just facts. working with some, some thread and, and, and dirty rags from under the sink. They're in trouble a bit. The Department of Player Safety Magic. Yeah, 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 yeah. That too. Um, easily my favorite series uh, of the second round that I'm keeping an eye on here. Uh, looking forward to, I believe we're getting game two tonight. I know the schedule gets a little funky after tonight. Uh, it's Florida. It's Toronto. Florida takes game one. We talked a little bit uh, on yesterday's show about <clears> – <throat> Did we maybe sleep on Florida a little bit? Not in the sense of like, oh, they slept on us. We're much better. But AJ, I'm going to ask you first because you weren't on yesterday's show. This is a President's Trophy winning team last year. They've got high-end talent and guys like Matthew Kachuk. And watching that game the other night, this is a team that's playing loose. They're playing carefree hockey. And they're kind of playing with house money. To me, that's a dangerous team. One that I don't want to run into. Uh what do you think when you watch this one? You look at the two teams uh, that had the big first round upsets in Seattle and Florida, and Florida looks like the real deal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, they are not a team that I'm looking at and saying, well, there's a lot of things that are kind of going their way. You know, there's a lot of this and a lot of that. Like, you know, when you're, when you're led by an elite player like Matt Kachuk is and watching Matt Kachuk kind of, turn this corner and put a franchise on his back like this you know because he was kind of second banana to johnny gaudreau in calgary and it took him a while you know to really get some help in florida this year you know sam reinhardt had like a glacial start to the season um but once once they got going my gosh are they you know, and the Brandon Montour thing is crazy. Yeah. Yep. Rudo feels vindicated like crazy because how much <laughs> he loves Brandon Montour like that. I, I mean, they they look awesome. And you do wonder, you know, what's going to happen. You know, the weird part about, about this postseason is you look at all, the majority of the teams that are left and you say, is this goaltending going to hold up? Well, it is for somebody. Because right. <laughs> somebody's going to get there. <laughs> So, you know, like it's going to hold up for someone out there and you look at Florida, man, I, I think Florida looks good and I don't want to, I don't want to oversell it because I think Toronto is really deep. I think they're really talented. I've liked this Toronto team all year and felt like they were a top three team in the NHL for basically all season, but this Panthers team looks nasty right now and the fact that they are playing without the weight of a single expectation whereas yeah. toronto toronto woo, 
They got out of the first round. A pathetic thing for an entire fan franchise to have to celebrate. <laughs> but they did it. And now it's like, what's all right, we're moving on. We're okay, we're on to this. What's next? What's next? Well, okay. Now we're in the second round. Oh man, Boston, one of the great upsets ever. And one of the teams that has always been in our way. Now the oh my god, the path is clear. Toronto's going to the cup final. This is the year. This is the BAM! Game one. Like fascinating yeah. stuff out there. And I we've already mentioned it, and I will reiterate game one is the home of weird stuff. <laughs> maybe maybe this thing comes out you know maybe maybe the rest of the series comes out and Toronto lays the wood and that's that but this Florida team does not feel like a wild card team when you start looking down its roster you kind of start to feel like did they like seriously underachieve during the regular season right right like D- did, did they we just forget Right. And, 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 you know, we, we talked a lot this season about Calgary and how much we think maybe maybe too much movement upset the apple cart a bit there. You wonder if it was the same thing in Florida. And because they made it in, they're catching on and kind of getting hot right at the exact right moment. Um, I don't know. It's it's Megan, we were just mentioning game one, weird things happen, uh, all kinds of odd results. That was the game that felt the most normal, the most repeatable to me. And then I do just want to get your opinion because AJ mentioned it a little bit there. And I, I said something about it right before that of this is a team that's paying, playing free. They're playing loose, you know, kind of house money. Then AJ said like, they have no weight of expectation on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. Everyone wrote them off two weeks ago. How much could that become a problem for a t- Toronto team that suddenly simply losing game one it almost feels like all of that weight of get out of the first round is rushing right back. Well, it starts sooner than, you know, two weeks ago or even the underachieving regular season. It's their second round exit last year that kind of shocked me from them. I expected more from their postseason run. And it, granted, it's against Tampa. That's a, obviously they make they make the cup <laughs> final. Like that is not a team to turn your nose up at, but I expected more from the Florida Panthers as a result because they were president trophy last year or year before. Am I thinking that correctly? No, it was last Last year. Yeah, It was last year. And so their sweep in the second round was a bit shocking to me. I expected more. And then they have a regular season that is just a little bit underwhelming. And so I've underestimated for a combination of those two things, but you put it into perspective for me for the series preview when you talked about the way in which that can motivate a team. Um, I think part of it is the recognition of when these games matter. And so I can explain the regular season from that, that they just want to get into the playoffs because they know that the real hockey for them begins in the playoffs. And then they have learned lessons from their exit last year that I think are going to be especially dangerous in a second round because that's when the wheels really came off for Florida last year. Mm -hmm. I think that the lessons that they learned from that are going to be really dangerous against a Toronto team who's here in the second round. I don't want to say for the first time, but you know, for the first time in a long while, this is not a long while for Florida and they know the, the heartbreak and the pain of what it meant to get swept in this position last year that I think it's going to make them really dangerous because 
you talk about how the addition of Matt Kachuk has, has really improved this Florida team. And it's true, there's experience interwoven in this Florida lineup that I underestimated in ways too. There's still concern on if the goaltending, it's a flip of a coin really, because in yeah. Bob, there is experience, but that's just where, because of age, the vulnerabilities could be exposed. But other than that, everything about this Florida team, it really surprised me. And it, it maybe necessarily shouldn't have surprised me. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting when you because we've talked about it on on this show. You know, going back to last year, of you need high end talent as important as the depth is. You need your high end talent to get you through. I think Alexander Barkov is starting to settle in uh, to the playoffs as well, and so it just gives you an interesting dynamic at the top of that lineup where you've got Brady Kachuk so hard to play against. Such you know, so, so such a pe- Dude, I did this yesterday too. I did it yesterday too, twice. Oh my gosh. That's how annoying both those players are. Uh, they're, they're just so identical players. They get interchanged. You've got Matthew Kachuk, who's so hard to play against, while also being an elite producer. You've got Barkov, who you can kind of put in that shutdown role. I'm so anxious for this game to get going here tonight. Uh, because I, I think this is going to be an, a really interesting series. Uh, and, and I think Florida just kind of put people on notice. We're the real deal. Don't take us too lightly. And then it was, I mentioned it again in our series preview. Uh, I believe it was Brandon Montour talking about when they upset Boston, saying we remembered what it was like to be in that room. We remembered the weight of the expectation of the president's trophy and, you know, really kind of selling out to get there. And we built on that experience. Uh, so I think that was a great call out, Megan, for, um, you know, just them going all the way back to last year's second round. That's where this has kind of been building from. Uh, They're also me- owed a, a, a bounce or two after that, that series against Tampa Bay last year where they get swept. But that series was a lot closer than that 4-0 series score would indicate and some of that was a little bit of nonsense so totally uh, i would say the universe owes them a solid uh for me it's matthew kachuk do you guys have any other con smythe picks that are starting to emerge out of these four teams we just talked about Maybe Marner for Toronto, depending on how that shakes out. I'm good with that. Nobody from Dallas or Seattle emerging for either of you guys? Rupe Hints, depending on what he does in this series, he did a terrific yeah. drown. Oh, Andre, oh, like, actually feels like Ken. Mm-hmm. I think if they get there, he's he has to be in the conversation. Like he can't have another night like he had the other night. I like hints. Uh, and I think for Seattle, it has to be Grubauer. Maybe low key yeah. on a gourd. Yeah. I think uh, Schwartz. No, sorry. Jaden uh, Schwartz there. Sorry. There's a Schultz yeah. and there's a Schwartz. I... They're driving me nuts. There's <laughs> twice where I actually thought the NHL misprinted. I was like, oh, look, they have scored and assisted by the same guy. And I'd like look at it again, and be like, oh no, that was Schwartz from Schultz or Schultz from Schwartz. Drives me crazy. 
Drives me crazy. Uh, if you're having a hard time seeing, because it's just because your future is just too bright, head on over to Shady Rays. Nice. Thank you. Um, damn, I, it was so good that I lost my train of thought. Uh, head on over to Shady Rays. Use that promo code DNVR, uh, and you're going to get a 50% off deal. Uh, Look, we all got hooked up by Shady Rays. I worked in that industry for years, uh, several years ago. Shady Rays, they're, they're great. They're affordable. That's always been my my biggest problem with the sunglass uh, industry is that to get good-looking shades that are comfortable uh, and actually do the job and don't like distort your vision, you have to pay out the nose. Uh, but that is not the case with Shady Rays. Uh, and exclusively for our customers, Shady Rays is going to give out one of the best deals of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use the code DNVR. You're going to get 50% off two pairs of polarized sunglasses. And you can try your, the sunglasses that have been rated by five star. Holy smokes. That have been rated five stars by over 250,000 people for yourself. Again, this time of year, if you're getting out on the lake, doing anything around the water, uh, going golfing, you need a pair of polarized. If you can't get online and you're in the Denver area, head into their brick and mortar store that's in the Park Meadows Mall. I've been into it. It's awesome. Super nice. Super, super helpful folks. Uh, and all the folks who I was talking to there are big Colorado sports fans. I told them uh, who I was, where I worked, and uh, they just they just kept talking to me for the next 20 minutes about different things. Oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Oh, we were watching the game here and there. We were down at the bar. Uh, so they're big sports fans, uh, and you can get them right here in Colorado. Again, that's ShadyRays.com. Use the code DNVR. You're going to get 50% off two pairs of polarized sunglasses. Uh, after you do that, head on over to our good friends over at uh, FOCO. Look, there will be a new Stanley Cup champion this year, so unfortunately we won't be getting new Avs Stanley Cup bobbleheads, but they still have a ton of officially licensed gear, abs, nuggets, Broncos, Rockies. Actually, one of my favorite things that they've got on there right now, we have it sitting on the desk uh, on the, the Studio A set in the bar. It's the little uh, triple bobblehead action where I believe it's uh, Kale, Miko, and Nate all like coming over the boards, but all three of them are bobbleheads. Uh, I just like it. I like little fun, uh, little different things like that. Uh, Head on over to FOCO, that's F-O-C-O. Uh, and if you use the promo code DNVR, you're going to get 10% off all non-pre-sale items. They have a ton of stuff over there. All of it's officially licensed, not just bobbleheads and collectibles, blankets, shoes, sunglasses, hats, all of that good stuff. F-O-C-O, use that promo code DNVR. You're going to get 10% off anything that is not a pre-sale item. Uh, let's get into the final period here of the DNBR Avalanche podcast. Jesse, Megan, AJ, um, we have three months to talk about all of this, so we're not going to get too far into it. Uh, but it was something that was brought up to me yesterday. I uh, went on uh, with the good folks over at Altitude uh, Sports Radio was on that show, and it was just kind of a it was something that kind of came in passing, but it made me think that maybe there is a little ten minute conversation we can have here. Um, I'm going to ask you both to put on your, your GM hat. You're going to be Chris McFarland for the next 10 minutes. 
you're <laughs> you're looking at yes, perfect. You're looking at the situation with Gabe Landeskog. Were you trying to find a hat, Megan? I was because I have Anything. it somewhere nearby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow, Megan. Yes, perfect. Oh my gosh, dang. This is just amazing. I didn't realize you both had them. Uh, we're wearing our Chris McFarland hats. This Gabe Landeskog situation. The, the thing put out by Jerry Bedard the other day, he's going to make his final decisions and we're going to go from there. We're all in agreement that this final decision is not on if he's retiring or not, correct? Just to officially put that on the record. Yeah, it was very, very clearly he has to make a decision on what he's doing with his treatment moving forward. Right, okay. So I know how I'm operating kind of going forward into this offseason. Megan, I'm going to start with you. You're heading into the summer. What do you do with Gabe, Mil- Gabe Landeskog's seven million dollars, knowing that there's obvious decisions to be made? But are you? How are you planning? Are you planning as if you don't have him? Are you planning as if he's coming back? Are you at what? To what level are you putting this guy into the fold? And kind of how are you handling this? It's tough because I do anticipate him coming back. But I have it earmarked at sometime in the middle of next season. I don't expect him to be an option that's available to start. And it might be ambitious to even have him expected back in the middle of the season. It's a caution because we learned our lesson from having that kind of expectation this year that you need to have more of a contingency plan around. Um, But I am expecting him back. That's the short version of it. Um, I already forgot the second half of that question. Well, so, all right. So I was just going to say, how, how do you, so if you're, if you're expecting him back, what are you kind of doing money wise around that? Are you making moves? Are you trying to take advantage of any extra relief knowing that you can deal with it kind of in season? Or are you saying I'm going to plan as if he's coming back until I know he's not. Uh, I can, I can move on to AJ if you want to think on that for a minute. Yeah. All right. So AJ. How are you going into this summer while, while you await further testing, assuming that this testing for Gabe isn't going to come back in three to five business, ga- business days, how are you kind of approaching this summer if you, uh, as, as Chris McFarlane with your Chris McFarlane hat? Uh, I am, I mean, obviously, whatever decision he makes on that treatment is paramount here because – that gives them a timeline to operate on of, Hey, we need to know what's going to, what we're going to do because they have to go to him and say, we can't do this again. We can't do this. Willie won't limbo, you know, nonsense. They, they have got to use that $7 million. If, even if, even if it's, he's coming back in December, January or whatever, they have to use a portion of that money that it maybe not all 7 million of it, but they certainly should be using some level of it. Like they, if it's 3 million, it's 3 million. If it's five, it's five, you know, whatever they should be planning to use some of that money. A hundred percent. They should be using the plan. Uh, they should be planning around. Hey, we're going to, we're going to spend that cash. And if that's on one year deals uh, or, or like sh- shorter two year deals, cool, whatever. But that is the first decision. That is the first kind of domino 
uh, that needs to that needs to fall for them because if whatever they decide, if he says, "Hey, I'm going to be back," uh, you know, this is my decision. This timeline puts me back in November, mm-hmm. which is six months from today. Would be the start of November. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. Yep. I can do math yep. live on air. <laughs> um. That's so. Hey, whatever he decides to do, six months. That's a reasonable amount of time. Uh, they're fine. Like if if that's the case, then they won't use much of that seven million at all. But if it's, oh hey, I'm gonna be. It's gonna be January. It's gonna be February. You know, we're not entirely sure. It could be the whole season. If there's any level of doubt spend it yeah yeah that's that's honestly where i'm at i'm i'm kind of if i'm chris mcfarland i'm going into this summer saying i'm not expecting to having him to have him back because to the point i think megan you made then aj you doubled down on it no matter what happens you cannot do this again you cannot do what just happened. Yeah. Where you're just cha- you're on a treadmill chasing something you can never get to. Um, Megan, let's let's now take it a step further. You have your first round pick at the draft. What are you doing with that? Again, knowing that there's uncertainty around Gabe Landeskog and that you could have that money available to you. Are you making that pick because you need to restock the cupboards? Or are you kind of what AJ was alluding to, saying, I've got an asset here that I know people are going to want. And even if it costs me, you know, if I'm getting something in return that costs a lot, I'm fine doing that because I think it makes me better. I'm not married to keeping that pick, but where I'd like to see them test the market first is for a second line centerman first and foremost i think that there are other options for wing um if they're looking at a latest club type replacement that i mean i guess too it depends on who they're targeting at each but i think that they might need to entice that use that pick to to find a second line centerman more than the landis replacement up front i do still think that they need to look to satisfy both needs though aj no, I think I think Megan's right um, because you looked at looked at the reality in the NHL is that finding wing replacements isn't like incredibly difficult, and I'm not going to say that Evan Rodriguez replaced Gabe Landeskog this year, but Evan Rodriguez gave you a decent top six player who predominantly played on the wing for you for two million dollars. Those guys, and he will get a raise, and he might get that raise in Colorado, but the the number one goal here is you need to, you need to shore up your center depth. You need to be better down the middle. And that means that they bring Lars Eller back for a bottom, a bottom six. And then you have McKinnon at one. Great. Now you have a couple of them solved. You've got to answer your JT Confer question, which I think is probably you have to let him go. Uh, And then you need to find a, you need to find an answer. You know, does that does that mean you are trading that first round pick uh, and and saying, hey, you know, a team that's looking to maybe kickstart or retool or a rebuild of some kind, you you know, you kind of play vulture and you go hunting for a roster that is vulnerable right now and find one. Okay, 
Um, you know, I think the Adam Henrique conversation becomes a lot more interesting because there's now only one year left on that deal. Yeah. And retention, uh, if, if Anaheim retains half of it, puts him an, under a $3 million cap hit for this year. That's intriguing to me. I would be very curious to follow up on that. Among others, like not just just that, but yeah, I do think that the two C thing is is your number. It's your number one offseason priority after you have decided whatever is happening with Landis Cog. You just have to be better at that position. JT Comfort got the shit kicked out of him in the Seattle series. So you, you just guys, have to be better. You guys are so good at your jobs. You jump the ju- you jump the gun on my final question of what needs to be the number one priority figuring out this Gabe Landeskog stuff for the 2C thing. It's the 2C thing. Are you guys both in agreement that if you find the right solution at 2C, I guess, AJ, you kind of answered this already. If you find the right solution at 2C, dip into whatever money you have to dip into to solve that problem then deal with the money yes. issue when you when, get, when you get Gabe Landeskog back. Are we all on the same page? Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree with what AJ said about wingers, too. There's going to be a lot of wingers becoming UFAs this summer that Colorado could take a, a hard look at. Totally. Well, since we're all in agreement there, I think we can get out of here. Uh, I think that'll do it for the day. Uh, Thursday, we will be back tomorrow with our Friday show, and then uh, we talked about it the other day, but pretty much here the rest of the way until next season starts. Uh, we're Monday through Friday, so uh plenty more to get into as as these playoffs continue to go uh like i said we've got florida toronto seattle dallas all tonight make sure you guys tune into those i'm sure we'll be talking about them tomorrow then we will be diving deep 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 into salary cap and what money's available and the gabe landiscog injury and second line center and all that stuff as the, as the summer continues to wear on but uh fun to start getting into it now Megan Angley, AJ Hayfley. I'm Jesse Montagna. We got Tiff running the board. Uh, Making sure you guys can see us, hear us, doing a great job as always. Thank you guys all so much for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.